us, if this doesn't loop, if so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey, it's Brian from the Lund Loop. Welcome to episode three of the Lund Loop podcast. I think I'm getting a little more comfortable with this format. For the longest time, I had been very resistant to doing any sort of podcasting or recording because of a very traumatic event that happened to me when I was eight or nine years old. I was over at my buddy Eric Phillips' house, and he pulled out this recorder. It was his sister Jenny's recorder, one of those old-school five-button recorders with the mono speaker. And we popped in a cassette and started talking and joking back and forth. And then we went to go play it back, and I was just horrified by the sound that came out of that thing. I could not stand the sound of my voice. It just grated on my ears. And so you combine that with all the ums and uhs and likes and the the dry mouth <laughs> that happens. And I just have been like, I don't think I want to hear myself go through that. Now, what they say is that everybody feels that way. Everybody hates the sound of their voice. So I'm just going to believe that that's the case and push past this because I think it's a pretty cool format. Um, see, there's an um right there. I got to get, I got to work on those ums. But what I, I feel like this is kind of, it's kind of like writing, but not really. I mean, you know, they say you're a genius when you think, you're a fairly smart person when you write, and you're an idiot when you speak. And I kind of get that a little bit, but it also helps, I think, refine thoughts and ideas. Uh, that's what I feel like I'm doing. I'm refining my thoughts on topics. I'm sanding off the rough edges and I'm trying to find some consistent themes. So basically this is thinking shown live in real time. And as, as this goes on, assuming it goes on, I may revisit these topics and may change or refine my, my stance on them. But one thing I really like about this format is that it's not visual. Obviously, so much about the market and talking about the market has to do with looking at charts or stats, and that's great. But I like the fact that this is just audio, so that we're not distracted by the visual part, and maybe we can get a little bit deeper on some concepts that will resonate and that don't have to be so technically focused. This is where we can stretch a little bit and kind of have some fun with the narratives and then see how they work in a technical sense. Of course, that's a perfect segue to the big news of the week, which is Elon Musk taking a 9.2% stake in Twitter, as well as scoring a board seat. Now, I'm no Elon Musk fanboy, but I have to admit I do like the guy, and here's why. I appreciate his approach to problem solving. Let's take a signature issue like climate change. Now, it doesn't matter whether you believe in climate change or you don't believe in climate change. I think common sense says we should take a best practices approach to climate change. We should be trying to do things in the most environmental way possible, but we have to balance it out with the economic realities of the world. Now, there's two camps around this issue. There's the sacrifice and deprivation camp, and there's the innovation camp. The sacrifice and deprivation camp thinks we solve this problem by taking stuff away from us, namely money. They want to give money to the government, and they want the government to solve this problem. And that makes perfect sense because the government has a long and storied history of innovation and using money wisely. Meanwhile, while we're all waiting around for the government to solve this problem, they want us to live in mud huts. I don't know about you, but I don't like mud huts. 
Then there's the innovation side of the issue, people like Musk. Now I get it, Musk is acting in his own self-interest and there's a lot of government subsidies around his company. But those things aside, he wants to solve this problem by giving us stuff, giving us jobs, technology, industries that are green. So when you contrast these two sides of the equation, one side wants to solve the problem by taking us to the future. The other side wants to solve the problem, thinks the only way we can solve the problem is by taking us back to the Stone Age. And on a side note, which side would you rather hang out with? The deprivation side is so morose. They are so humorless. They sound like school moms lecturing us all the time. I'd much rather go hang out with Elon Musk and the innovators. That's the guy I want to go to the club with. Now, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the market thinks. And the market was screaming at the top of its lungs on Monday. We want to go with the innovator. That's why Twitter's stock jumped 30%. They think that he's going to come in there and make some sort of change that's been lacking in the company. So the big question is, is a 9.2% stake and a board seat enough of a big stick to stir things up there? I think it definitely is because Twitter, in my opinion, is low-hanging fruit. The company is undervalued and everybody knows why it's undervalued. Ever since it's been a public company, it has not been run like a normal corporation, meaning it hasn't been run to the benefit of shareholders. Twitter has been run like a social experiment. And I'm pretty sure Musk is not down with that. He did not invest $2.5 billion into a social experiment. He wants to unlock shareholder value because he's a huge shareholder. He wants to make money. So I think fundamentally, there's a lot of potential upside. Now, technically, the stock is trading just a little bit above where it IPO'd. Basically, it's gone sideways for eight years. But if we start getting into those upper 70s, and if we finally clear that all-time high around 80, I think we're going to possibly look back in a couple years and see this eight-year period as this massive base. And we've seen what happens when stocks break out of massive bases, like the base that Microsoft formed for, was it like 17 years and then just you know went to the moon. So I think there's some fundamental potential here, definitely some technical potential here. So the next question we have to ask ourselves is how will we know that Musk is actually getting traction? He's actually making changes within Twitter. Well, the most obvious way is we'll see price continue to move up. But we did get a significant pop after the announcement. It may take a while to digest that. So we could see price move sideways for a while. So another way that we might get a sense that there's some real changes coming is when we see media reports like what we're seeing at Disney right now. Just before COVID, Disney appointed a new CEO, Bob Chapek. But when COVID hit, the outgoing CEO, Bob Iger, said, well, you know what? I think I need to stick around because we need all hands on deck during this unprecedented time. And they've basically co-CEO'd for two years. But here's the thing. They hate each other. They don't talk to each other. And both their respective camps are trying to outposition each other within the company. It's because they both have a different vision of how to move the company forward. I think... If Musk really starts making changes behind the scenes at Twitter, we'll start seeing all these media stories and, you know, that it will be, you know, 
Twitter insiders upset by moves from Musk or Musk ruffles the feathers of Twitter insiders. So basically all these legacy deadweight people that have been holding the company down for eight years are going to be upset. And when we hear that, then I think we know that he's really making some changes. Of course, this brings us to the most important question. If we accept this narrative is true, that Musk has put $2.5 billion into this company not to maintain a social experiment, but to unlock value. How do we profit from this? Well, if that's the case, this is going to be a multi-year move, not just something that you're going to trade for a day or even a couple of weeks or a month. Now, you could just buy the stock and put it in a drawer. But what if it goes sideways for another eight years? Or what if, God forbid, Musk dies or something and the stock goes down? So I think if you're in this stock for the long haul, if you're looking at a three, five, maybe even a 10-year play on this, an interesting strategy would be to buy the stock and just consistently sell calls against it. So you buy the stock, you sell calls 45 days out, you wait till they you know, give up 30 days worth of premium, and then you just roll them out. Look at that snap right there. It's pretty good. Roll them out, right? And you just do that like clockwork. You don't really care what the stock itself is doing. Now, if you do that, over time consistently, certainly if you do it for a number of years, eventually your cost base is gonna be zero. Uh, you may get called away, you may get a big move in the stock and you get called away, but that's okay because you get the appreciation in the stock plus the premium from the call you sold. And then all you just do is do another buy right. Same thing, you just buy the stock again and you just write calls out farther ahead. Now, if you really want to get aggressive, you could do a buy right and you could sell really out of the money um, puts. Uh, or if you were willing to even take more of a position than the initial position that you started with, you could maybe more aggressive puts. And then if you get assigned the stock, you don't care because you wanted to build your position up. So anyway, I think that's an interesting take. Um, it's a different way of, of playing this, uh, this story. It would have to play out this way. You know, you'd have to be all in on the fact that Musk is here for good and he's going to make a serious change. But Based upon what he's accomplished over the last five or 10 years, I find it really hard to bet against Elon Musk. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund loop, whatever you've got me on. Um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, uh, actually uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at thelungloop.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.